Just keep in mind when listening to this podcast, it was taped before Game 3 of the WNBA Finals, so if you can keep that in mind that we don't know the result going into it, this podcast is some of my favorite content I've done recently, so enjoy, enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone, to this edition of Charity Stripe Commentary, part of the Hoop Social Podcast Network. I'm joined today by very special guest, Bobby Mullis, who is the Hoop Social WNBA expert. She is a um, – she covers the games for us. She, you know, she does all that. She's also a season ticket holder. She is a day one founder of a program called Power Forward – Bobby, you can do all the introductions better than me. I've, I've been waiting to have you on, and it seems like with the aces on the precipice of getting ready to have this huge title win, there's no better time than now than to have you on. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Uh, yeah, I cover the games for you guys as much as I can in person and uh, through Zoom press conferences. I've been following WNBA since its conception in 1997 said goodbye to the MNBA at that point and went all in on the W. I'm also a founding uh, day one member with Power Forward, uh, founded by Luke Bonner, and uh, we can touch on that as we go. Thanks for having me. Well, I, I think the Power Forward thing, I let's hit it first before we dive into the finals because I saw the notes you have on the Aces. I'm afraid once we get started on that, we're just going to get lost in it for like 45 minutes. So there we go, there we go. give everyone the outline. What is the Power Forward program? What it means to be a part of it? Just the whole thing. You, you kind of explained it a little bit before we started recording. And it's just, it's absolutely fascinating. I think it's an excellent idea. And I, I want you to tell the people about it. So Power Forward was founded by Luke Bonner. He and uh, a few of his uh, cohorts, decided to come up with this group. Luke Bonner and his family have been a part of the basketball community as long as Luke has been alive. And they're all in on the W. This year, um, they purchased courtside tickets to every single WNBA game across the board. And with those courtside tickets came uh, tickets to all the events with the WNBA teams. Um, me personally, I was able to go to a, several events in New York and also have courtside seats in New York as well as uh, in DC with the Mystics. Um, they have decided they want to go all in on the W because they see the worth of investing in women. That That is what they believe. Invest in women, pay women, hire women. Kelsey Trainer is also a part of the group. Um, within the organization, we as members were allowed to um, vote for other members or people who were not a part of the organization to have the courtside seats for the WNBA games uh, across the board. Um, it's a great way to grow the game and get people, I can't tell you the amount of people who had never been to a WNBA game who were able to go to an NBA a WNBA game with their mother, father, child, wife, husband, sister, brother, um, and people instantly were hooked. The moment they put their feet on wood, as the uh, Power Forward group would say, they were hooked. Um, do you really have great. a particular, does one, like when you think back to, to this last year, is there anyone in particular that you, that you remember? And I'm putting you on the spot. I didn't get, I didn't ask you this beforehand. So if there's not, don't worry about it. 
but if there is, I'd just love to hear it. Uh, moments being um, getting to see Sue Bird play her last game in New York in a suite with um, like-minded individuals who have been watching Sue Bird as long as I've been watching Sue Bird, seeing people who may have not watched Sue Bird her whole career and just, and not just because she's Sue Bird, because we all know it's Sue Bird, she's great, right? But seeing her last game in New York in a suite at the Barclays Center, it was, it was amazing. Um, that was probably, and then also, um, and not for my, like, that was my, that was my big thing, but um, I was able to nominate my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law um, for courtside seats to see the Liberty take on the Lynx in New York. My mother-in-law had played basketball when she was in high school. Um, you know, the mom thing took over. She raised a bunch of kids. She followed basketball from afar. Um, and she was able to take that moment, sit courtside with her second to youngest child and introduce her to the WNBA. Um, something else that came with your membership with the Power Forward group is um, League Pass. Every member got a League Pass. Um, so I was able to take my League Pass um, that I was gifted with being a founding member and pass it on to my mother-in-law. So for me, like, I think that might be the most ultimate, like, win of the whole thing is being able to put my mother-in-law with her feet on wood with her kid at Barclays Center. Oh. I'm so glad that I asked you. I'm so glad I asked you. And I know we don't do a video aspect to this pod, but I, I wish we did so everyone could just see your face as you were describing it. That is just absolute pure joy. And it's, I love that the WNBA is able to bring this to so many people, especially these last few years. We've seen the rating spike in the finals these last two games. Um, I think you've tweeted it out both times. I think I've seen it from you. And just the popularity rising. I love um, so many new fans getting into it. But what I'm most excited having you on for is with the Aces on the Brink, you were so excited about the history of the franchise and what it was going to mean for them. Um, you sent me – I had no idea that – Mark Davis was the owner. No clue that he was the owner, <laughs> let alone that he was um, one of my favorite owners in the world now after reading the thing you sent me. It's it's just so fun and so eye-opening for people who are on the outside. And and I've watched, you know, I've watched some of the games, I but I, I don't know the little details like this. And so you being so excited about all of the history you're getting ready to share with me and everyone else listening, I... I can't wait to hear it. So the Aces, they're up 2-0. They win one more game. They get their first finals win. Um, the balloons come down if they still do that. I don't know. But what is that going to mean for that team, that franchise, and for the people that have been rooting for them? So one of the things is if they win tonight, they sweep. Um, I think that that's really important. Um, I really wanted the Sun to pull out one game just so we could have some more finals basketball. Um, but the more that I thought about it, um, the last two times that the Aces franchise, um, whether they were under a different name or under the Aces, um, went to the finals, they were swept by their opponents. So 
I'm taking back my Sun win for tonight, and I'm all in for the Aces to sweep the Sun. Um, I think that it would just be poetic justice and everything that this organization deserves if they sweep the Sun. The only downside is, is they won't be at home with their pyrotechnics and their sold-out crowds, but the justice is and what they deserve for what they've built and from where they came is the Aces need to sweep tonight, and I think they're going to do it. Um, the last, I, I, I didn't know that they'd been to the finals twice and had lost yes. both times, being swept both times. So you're 100% right. Even though it's not at home, I'm with you. Being able to get the, the first title with a sweep, that would just be, that would be amazing. So in 2008, when they were the San Antonio Silver Stars, um, they were swept by the Detroit Shock. And in 2020 and the Wubble, they were swept by the Storm. So, like I said, it's it's really just they need to sleep and they're going to pull it out. And I can guarantee those conversations have been had in the coach's office, in the front office, and in the locker room. They all know what's at stake. And seeing the caliber that these young and uh, veteran players have been playing with, there's no doubt in my mind that it's going to happen. Um, one of the things, you know, that a lot of people, um, especially Mike, um, Mike Burns has been talking about with the Aces is their lack of a bench. And I, I have to say, I was concerned about their lack of a bench as well. They do have a bench. Um, they're rookies um, with uh, one or two veteran players. Um, and everybody was concerned about their energy. Were they going to be able to make a finals run and really push through with what's required of making that run? Um, and once we go through the history, I think that you'll see that everybody from the president to the GM to the coach to the chief um, business development officer, every one of those people knows what it takes to make it through a playoff run. And what it takes to make it through a playoff run is conditioning. And every single one of those people know that in order to be the best, to be number one, to win a championship, despite the players sitting on the bench, is conditioning. And we can see throughout this, you know, finals playoff run that these players are conditioned through the I, first. I thought, oh, I really thought you were going to say before you said they, they, they know what it takes to win when you said that from the GM all the way down to the coach. They, they've been a part of the organization is where I thought you were going. Because in that Mark Davis article, it talked about how they have, he brings all the players back and he, that's where he found his GM. That's where he found his coach. And it's very much an, in, it, it seems like it's very much in everyone that's been in-house, he tries to, they try and keep them in-house. I thought that's where you were going with that. But you're right when it comes to conditioning. It, whenever I watched, because um, I was only able to catch the highlights of, the la of game two, but it just seemed like, to me, the Aces, that from the first quarter highlights to the fourth quarter highlights, the Aces didn't look like they slowed down much at all, whereas the Sun, it, it, it you, could tell the you could tell the difference. Well, and, and I was going to get to that point of the reason that they are where they are is because of who's in place within the organization. But – in order to get to the finals, you have to be conditioned. And unless you have people who have been there, unless you have people who know what it's like to play in the WNBA, unless you have people who have been to the finals, unless you have three and four time all-star, three and four time first team players within the WNBA, 
you're not going to know what it takes to get there. And what I feel like all these people know is, is people like Asia Wilson have to play all but four minutes and not be winded. Right. And somebody from the outside or somebody who's never played within the WNBA, whether they've coached, whether they've been in circles, whether they've had parts and organizations within women's basketball, unless they're in it, unless they've done it, they don't know what it takes. And Becky Hammond, Natalie Williams, Jennifer AZ, um, who am I missing? Uh, the Nikki Fargus, they all know, they all know that you have to be in the tip top best condition of your life in order to make the run that the aces have made. So one leads into the other. Right. It, it all, it all plays together, but I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited to, I, I'm now rooting for the sweep. You've sold me on it because like you, before we started this podcast, I wanted the Sun to win just because I wanted the chance to be able to watch, you know, at least one more game. But who wants that after listening to what's at stake when it comes to this? So if the Sun, let's let's assume the Sun end up losing this series, whether it's, whether it's tonight or whether it's, you know, over the course of the next two games, assuming they don't come back. Where do you where do you think they came up short? Um, I've seen some people in the chat seem like JJ specifically just might be wearing down from how much she's played over the last year, year and a half. Uh, you know better than anyone else, though. What do you think is held the sun back? You know, it's really hard to say. I haven't watched as many of their games as I would like to have uh, watched, you know, being a season ticket holder with the Mystics. A lot of the games, unfortunately, do coincide with each other. Um, I, do, I think the lack of touches to J.J. in the paint, the lack of plays drawn up for J.J. Um, has caused J.J. to have to play a game that is not conducive to what's best for her. Um, I think that... They lack cohesiveness sometimes. I think that sometimes um, when the pressure's put on, some players are more often than not trying to make power plays without slowing the ball down and making the plays that work for them. Getting the ball inside to JJ, getting the ball to Bonner on the arc, um, setting up and not playing someone else's game. You know, obviously they're a physical team. That's their defense is based on physicality and that works for them. But when you have to be so incredibly physical on the defensive end in order to get the wins, because you're not showing out on the offensive end, that's going to taint your offense. And that's going to make your JJ tired. And that's going to make Bonner tired. And that's going to make teaspoon tired. Um, so slowing the pace just a little bit on the offensive side and making sure that the plays that work for them are run properly. Um, and I, was it, was it you that said you, even if they, even if the sun beat the sky, you weren't sure that the coaching staff was safe. I, I did say that. Um, I don't know if, I don't know that we see Kurt back next year. And, you know, that's, I think, I was going back and looking at the history of the sun. They kind of have a history of having their coach and GM be one in the same. And that hasn't really worked out well for them. The sun holds the records for the most wins during playoffs without winning a championship. Um, that's not a record you want to hold. Um, and I don't think that it 
speaks on the players, honestly. I think these players go out and they give 110%. Um, I think that they're doing the best with what they have, but maybe the dual role of coach and GM for Kurt may not be the best role. Um, maybe he's great as a coach or maybe he's great as a GM. Um, looking at other teams, um, I can't give you any right now because they're not in my notes, but I think that when you have a GM and a coach holding the same role, that's a lot on one plate. Um, and I don't always think that it benefits the team or the players. Well, again, as the outsider looking in, I think he's better as a GM than a coach because I see a team with some pretty good, with a lot of talent, but that talent's not necessarily being utilized on the offensive end as, um, as, as efficiently as right as efficiently as most people would like so Agreed. i'm I, i'm glad that uh i was able to pull that out about kurt and you bring that because you you called this during the sky series so if if the sun gets swept and kurt is out as coach you you were in earlier than probably about anyone i would say um so we've got about we've got about six and a half minutes left it looks like I know Wilson has has carried the team for during the years. She won the MVP for a reason. But when I've watched, like I said, I watched the game too hot, so I got to watch game one. It seems like Gray has been the most important player during the finals for me. Uh, what have you? Would you agree with that, or what? What would you say you've seen? I know, I know, Wilson is just Wilson's probably the finals MVP. But just like when I watch, it seems like gray, if gray is good, things just that matters so much to this team. Um, as I, you know, I've said before, Wilson makes gray a better player. Gray makes Wilson a better player. Um, I am up in the air about who finals MVP should be. Asia deservedly so won defensive player of the year and MVP player of the year. Um, many flowers to her for winning that. Um, Asia has been very instrumental in everything that has happened on the court during the, uh, finals run. She, we talked about her being a leader. She's definitely a leader. She tells the players what they need to hear, whether it's what they want to hear or not. Um, and the defensive know, end, especially, I think, I think you can't undersell the value that she provides on the defensive end. I think if it was purely like, offensive award gray gray would be the mvp for me but with what wilson has provided on the defensive side that that can't get ignored it's so vital that and her energy as well um i just also we just can't understate what gray has done like if you look at if you look at the shots that she's put off on one foot flying through the air one-handed contested shots i i don't know the specific stat but i think i read that she's shooting something like 65% on contested shots throughout the finals. That's unheard of. Like that is, it's insane. I actually um, have it up. It's from an ESPN story. She is shooting 66%, 66.7, 18 of 27 on contested shots. All other players combined are shooting 36%. So she's shooting 30% better on contested shots compared to everyone else in the final. She also has five 20.5 assist games this postseason, one shy of the all-time record. Um, MVP here. You know what I mean? Without without those numbers, they don't get where they're at. She she's the MVP for me. Finals MVP. I think if I think I think I'd probably give it to her if I had to give it to someone right now, too. Just it's been so 
so impressive. And I, I love celebrating. Like I love the stars, but I, I love secondary stars so much. I'm a, I'm a sucker for the second star stepping up and just coming through like a Chris Middleton for the Bucks whenever they came through on the final. So I, I think I've got great, but really who I think which whichever one of them has the better game tonight is probably in the, in the deciding game. That's probably who's going to come away with it. Don't you think? Um, I, I, I don't or, know. Do you, do you think, do you think Gray has, has a good lead? Do you think, would you say Gray has a good lead on Wilson? I, I, I can't say I that she has close. A, yeah. I don't think, I don't think there's any clear lead one way or the other. I think that they, their contributions that both of them are offering, um, there, there's no win without either one of them doing everything that they've done. They don't win if Asia doesn't stay on the court all but four minutes. They so don't you, do win. Want to, do you want to go co MVP? Is that what I mean? That, that would that would be great. Um, I you know I don't want to deflect or take away from either one of their abilities. Um, we'll we'll just see what happens. I think that um, the culture that this team has. And the continuity they have together, I feel like uh, Asia would agree that Chelsea is the MVP for finals, um, and that you know she is the MVP and the Defensive Player of the Year that got them to the finals. And Gray picked up the torch from her and carried it to the finish line. All right, we've we've only got about two minutes here, so I say we just wrap up. We we keep the pod all positive for now, and. Uh, real quick, the Robert Sarver stuff. Everyone agrees he should be out of the NBA. He should be out of the WNBA. And I, I hope that with LeBron, with Chris Paul, with other people stepping up and, and kind of acknowledging that fact that the other NBA owners will step up and vote him out of the league if they won't, if he won't step aside himself. So would you, would you like to add anything real quick on yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Chris Paul's statement for me is a non-statement. It's a statement that someone makes because they're expected to make a statement. Um, well, did you, did that, you see the second tweet? I did. I, I still stand by what I said. Um, I'm not saying that he doesn't think that it is atrocious. I'm not saying that he doesn't detest how it went down. Um, but – you know, he was given the WNBA award for the Gigi and Kobe Bryant Foundation. He should have a lot more to say about this than what he said. That's my opinion. Um, also, I think that it's important to note that Sandy's uh, contract wasn't renewed last year. I think that it's important to note that Tina Charles specifically spoke on the culture and the management of the team before she departed of the team. Um, so I think it's just really important to note about Skylar Diggins-Smith and her mental health and, um, how she's been absent from the end of the season and how she reposted a video that stated that Sarver shouldn't be able to own a team, um, within the NBA or the WNBA. Oh, I, I thought you had to go. So that's why I was trying to wrap it up a little quicker. I, and I didn't want to bring those up and shortchange them. So the fact that you, you have a little bit of extra time to, to stay and discuss them a little bit, it, it seems like it's great. I think that the fact that Sarver has, has had this toxic culture for over a decade, cultures, I'm not sure how long he's owned the WNBA team, but he's owned the NBA team for 
a long time. These incidents date back to at least 2000, I think 11 was what I saw. So over a He's decade. owned of- the W team. Um, I have it in my notes somewhere. I want to say 2004. Right. So he's been allowed to just breed this toxic workplace culture and for these franchises. And that's something that is clearly, it, it seems like it, it has bled through to the players. And to me, it's just, I know that silver works for the owners, but we, we saw that horrible press conference when Howard Beck asked the amazing question and it, it got silver to admit the owners get to play by different rules than everyone else. And it, it was just a disaster. And it, it's just so disheartening because the NFL is run so poorly. And you like to think of the NBA being the progressive league, the WNBA being, you know, the progressive league. It's the, the number one progressive league in my view. And to have an owner that comes out with these kind, you know, the not even allegations. These were, these were backed up. These are things that happened. And, as recently as 2021 and to, to just say, we're, we're going to find you a little slap on the wrist and send you away for a year. So you can go blow your millions of billions of dollars. It's, it's not um, enough for me. Let's not forget that the players of the WNBA have forced out one owner before and they can do it again. Um, and I really hope that we can see the players unite against this atrocity that Sarver has, um, been found to be guilty of and everybody knows that he's done with proof and verification. Um, I really hope that the players can unite together and find a way to force him out like they've done before. And let's also not forget as progressive as the WNBA is and as all in as I am with the WNBA, we've yet to hear from Kathy about what's going on. She's yet to hold a press conference about one of the owners of a team within her league. And she's yet to make a statement. Yeah, and you you mentioned the WNBA is forced out an owner. I I really feel like the NBA, the players kind of threatening to maybe not play playoff games, the Clippers, that played a part in getting the wheels turning to get Sterling out of there. Not having the audio seems to be why everyone thinks this isn't deemed as serious, but audio or not, it happened. And it's, it's very clear that this has been a problem, and it's not... Both both leagues are booming right now. It's not like if you put the Suns and the uh, Mercury up for sale, they're not they're going to sale for huge profits. That he's not going to be forced to lose any money on these transactions. So no bleeding hearts for this asshole who has tortured None. people for for decades for decades. So and just got that, away with it. Right, and, and and it's still getting away with it. Is and it's it's just it's disgusting behavior, and the fact that it's being enabled, good people that we deem as good, that we think should do good things, that are enabling this type of behavior. That's why it continues to happen because people see this and they go, "Oh, well, if I do it, I'm just going to get banned for a year and find ten million dollars. That's nothing to me. I'm that it." it it, just, it it's so frustrating the idea that when it's this blatant people with power still aren't held accountable such as society unfortunately and i just hope all right, that we well, all can grow from it well that was enough negativity i i cut you off a little bit because i thought you had to go 
but since you have a little more time, do you have, let's brighten the mood a little bit more with some more aces love. Do you have some more aces stuff to shout out before we sign off? Most definitely. Um, yeah, I could probably write a book on the aces at this point, but, um, we'll just kind of touch on a couple things. I was talking about the conditioning and how the players, the starting five and how well that they're conditioned and why it was so important that they were there. If you look at the aces staff, Mark Davis, when he acquired the team in 2021, he started the alumni program um, during the 25th uh, season for the aces. Um, obviously we know they weren't the aces always. They were the Utah stars. They were San Antonio silver stars. They were San Antonio stars. And then the Las Vegas aces. Um, so somebody wanted this team to be around for quite some time when he did the alumni program, he brought in Natalie Williams. He brought in, uh, coach Becky Hammond. He brought in Nikki Fargus. He wanted to show these women why they were important to this league and that they were valuable assets to the WNBA. And it was in doing so that he decided who he wanted to bring in to run this team. Um, Bill was on his way out, so he brought in Becky Hammond. Um, Becky Hammond, there's a news article that I have somewhere where she was speaking to the press after she went undrafted in 1999 and said, this won't be a sad story. You, you can bet that this won't be a sad story. So she went undrafted in 99. She was a walk on and got signed to the Liberty. Um, she played there for a couple of years. And then in 07 for seven years, she played for the San Antonio stars. And as we know, the San Antonio stars, um, were turned into the Las Vegas Aces. So she knew the organization very well. She knows what it's like to have grit. She knows what it's like not to give up. Um, after her stint with the Stars, then she went over to San Antonio and she was the assistant coach for the Spurs for another seven years. Um, she's a six-time WNBA All-Star, two-time first team, two-time second team, and she was the 07 WNBA assist leader. Tell me, you, you mentioned coach. you mentioned that she was a coach, an assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs. How much do you think the fact that she was she was used to coaching an extended playoff series? Do you think that helped with her being able to have the team 100%. ready for the conditioning of the extended 100%. playoffs this year? One hundred percent. I think seeing that extended playoff run and the extended season that she coached for seven years, she knew what players had to be up for. She knew what type of condition that they had to be in in order to make this run. And that's how she built her players. That's how she conditioned her players. I think that it is of utmost importance. And that's that's how Wilson can play 44 minutes and be effective for all 44. She, she played all but four minutes of the whole entire uh, playoff run. Before they got to the finals, played all but four minutes unheard of and wasn't even winded wasn't even tired that's wasn't tired marathon runner yeah type stuff there so i definitely think becky's experience um definitely played into that and then you look at uh the general manager natalie williams she was drafted first round third overall to the utah stars taking it back to the beginning um she also played in the abl she was a olympic gold medalist um, she was a four-time WNBA All-Star, three-time first-team player, um, Pac-10 Player of the Year, three-time 
uh, first team for UCLA. So again, taking it back to the roots, taking it down to the beginning, these players were invested in the Utah stars in the San Antonio stars. So of course they're going to bring that same drive and that same determination when they're in positions of power with the aces. Um, Nikki Fargus, uh, she played under Pat Summit for four years, won a championship in 91 with the University of Tennessee. Um, she also assisted with Pat Summit as well. She, Nikki Fargus and Natalie Williams, um, Nikki Fargus is the first black woman executive to hold the role of president with any WNBA team. And Natalie Williams is the first black woman to hold title of GM with any WNBA team. And I think that that, that is extremely um, noteworthy and a very important information for the casual fans to know as well. Um, and then, you know, down to the chief business development officer, Jennifer Azy. She played for Stanford for four years, won two titles, was drafted first round, fifth overall to the Detroit Shock. Um, the Shock in their own are a legacy. She was also a 1996 gold Olympic medalist. You're looking at just such an um, ingrained stamp of WNBA and women's basketball that the Mark Davis put on this team. Uh, Becky Hammond, like I said, she went undrafted in 99. She's a six-time WNBA All-Star, two-time first team, two-time second team. Um, for her coaching staff, I, I, I'm, I'm all in on them yeah. just winning tonight. You, you've, I cannot explain just how far and how quickly I swung from one extreme to the other tonight. And the, the fact that everyone is so homegrown, I, I think I love that. I would love to see the WNBA expand. I know that there's way more, there's enough talent for it. And, but having so few teams, it feels like there's so many intertwined storylines because of it. Because everything and everyone is is connected at some point in time during their careers. I, I agree. And the players, you know, because it is such a small league and it's the hardest league to get a permanent position on a team, these players are playing with one another on one team one year and playing on another team with other people next year. And then they might end up on the same team the following year. Um I think that other owners within the WNBA could take a good lesson from Mark Davis and pull people that have this type of experience, this high WNBA IQ, this high WNBA level of experience, and put them within their organizations, and they may have the same success. Um, I, I think that it's – I think you're right. If, if you if, – if there is constant change, if you can identify your high-end talent – and you can keep them in house while while plucking the other high end talent that that's swirling around that we just talked about. That seems like a recipe for success. Agree, and, and it seems we like have, that's what the Aces have done. Yeah, and you know we have players that are going to be coming up on retirement. Sylvia Fowles, obviously she she's got other plans. She's going to be a mortician. Um, we got Sue Bird who retired. We got Brian January who's retired this year. We have all these people that can be brought back within the organization and give them roles of GM or coaches or assistant coach or player development. We need to bring this talent back into the WNBA so that they can help continue to, 
you know, give back to the future generations. I think that's something the NBA has done exceptionally well is have the players of the past be around and celebrate them and their achievements. And I'd really like to see, especially with more eyes coming on the WNBA, the players of the past being celebrated. And like, even if it's just having them, having teams come back for home games, like uh, Mark Davis, I think he had like specific games. He would have teams come, you know, old teams come in. I would love to see older teams celebrated and just the history of the WNBA just kind of be brought to the forefront as the now is brought to the forefront. And, um, you know, we have, um, we have Tanisha Wright and we have Vicki Johnson are both former WNBA players and doing well in their own right. What Tanisha Wright has done um, in Atlanta is remarkable. She's really, you know, has turned this team around and we're going to see great things from them. Vicki was able to get um, the wings uh into playoffs and and that that's pretty remarkable from where they started at this season um but but we need to surround these coaches with a staff that has the same experience and level of WNBA knowledge and know-how as they do and as the league that, grows you're only that that pool of people with that knowledge it's only going to grow there's only going to be more women to put in these positions to succeed because Again, the longer the, the league goes on, the more people you're going to have with that kind of knowledge base. Exactly. And, you know, you also have to remember how how many players have come and gone. There are there there are tons of players that we could be bringing in to be giving them these positions. And I think that uh, Mark Davis's, you know, stamp and he may not he may not have said it directly, but his investment in women and his investment in their intelligence and their ability within the basketball community is proving to be a winner um you know giving becky hammond a one million dollar contract for over five years it's unheard of you know um so she's she's likely getting a title her first year in yeah i'm claiming it she's getting a title not only is she going to get the title but she won coach of the year she won the coach of the year award she also won the commissioner's cup championship she's won every single time that they said hey becky she's won so there's no doubt in my mind she's going to win tonight and i think the statement that people need to remember and what people need to continue to push forward and the narrative needs to be is invest in women invest in women invest in women's sports put them in positions where they can use their expertise and their talent to lift up other women and nobody loses 100 percent. so before we go i don't want any explanation you don't get to say anything except a team name what team is stewie playing on next year seattle all right bobby where can the people find you i I know you're on twitter but i i don't remember your handle do you know it offhand for the people yeah um at swaggy dgb um that's me on twitter tiktok and uh instagram And you can find me on Twitter at Final Finally. Thanks again for listening to this edition of Charity Stripe Commentary, part of the Hoop Social Podcast Network. Have a good one. And we're all in on the aces. So if the Suns win tonight, we're going to look real foolish. Ain't happening. Ain't happening.